Hey, today we're gonna to be looking at the longest parable found in the book of Luke. It's the longest probably because it's the most important one. And so we're gonna be looking at Luke chapter 15, verse 11. It's called the parable of the lost sons. There was a man who had two sons. So let's use two sons here. Here's the older brother, and here's the younger brother. It says here that the younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Now, there's some things you have to understand in this culture. When a son asks a father for the estate, he's basically saying, give me my inheritance now, but the father's still alive. So what is he really saying in essence? He's basically wishing his father dead. So from the very beginning of the story, we know one thing about this son. We know that while he wants his father's things, he doesn't really want the father. Now, normally in that culture, if the father heard anything like this, the father would punish the son right away. So as Jesus is telling this story to religious rulers, the religious rulers are expecting the next part of the story to sound like this. So the father disciplined his son and set him in his place. But in this story, something weird happens. It says this, so he, that's the father, divided his property between them. Now there's two things you have to know about this part of the story. In those days, usually the older one got twice as much as any of his other brothers. In this case, since there's only two kids in his family, the older brother gets two thirds of the property and the younger son gets a third. The second thing you need to know so far in this story is that the word property here is the word bios. That's where we get the word biology. What Jesus is teaching here is that the father had to divide his livelihood. He had to give up his life in order to give the son what he asked for. Now the story continues. Not long after that, the son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. So Jesus teaches us that the younger son took everything that the father gave him and used up all his things in wild living. Later on in the story, we find out what that wild living is. He spent that money on prostitutes. Now, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now the picture that Jesus is painting for us here is that the son is falling further and further away from the ideal life that the father wanted for him. It says here that the son betrayed his father. And not only did he do that, he left the country. This is told in a context where Israel was the ideal place to live. So for him to leave this country, the land that God has given them, is to show that the son is wandering further and further away. And not only that, when he is in a foreign country, he is so desperate that he hires himself out to a foreigner, which is another strike to his credentials. And then after that, it says that he ended up feeding pigs. Jesus is painting for us the worst case scenario here. Now, eventually the son comes to his senses. This is what he says to himself. How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. He's basically thinking, what am I doing here starving when I know there's plenty back at home? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, that's code for God, against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So the son here, he comes up with a speech. 
And in this speech, she basically says, I'm going to work my way back into your family. I will pay back every penny by working for you. So he got up and went to his father. Now, before we move on with this parable, there's something that we ought to know. You see, this parable is not unique to Jesus. This parable has been told by other rabbis in that day. So, in those stories, as the son comes home, realizing that he should be home rather than be in a foreign country, he would go to the town square and he will stand there and he'll wait for his father. And the reason why he does that is because in that culture, when you denounce your father, you're also denouncing your entire village. And so he would stand there in shame until the father comes out and embraces him, which would be the sign that he is now allowed to come back into the village. Let's see what happens in this story. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. So he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now, this is a very, very important bit of information here. Before the son got to the town square where he will be humiliated by his village, the father realized, I don't want my son to experience that. So he ran out to meet him. Now, in that culture, an older person like the father would never be caught running because to run would mean that he'll be showing his legs, and only children did that. But he didn't care. He ran to his son to protect him from the shame of his own village. This is a very different story than what the religious people were expecting Jesus to tell. Now, remember that speech that the son came up with, and he's been probably rehearsing his entire way home? Let's see how that speech goes. He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, the next part of that speech is how he says, I'm going to earn my way back into your family. The father does not let him finish that speech. He cuts him off. This is what he says. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Then he says, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. The fattened calf was something that was only used in special, super special occasions. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now, if the story ended right here, that'd be a happy ending. And I think a lot of people read to this point and they stop reading because people call this parable the parable of the prodigal son. But what they forget is that there's another character in this story, the older brother. Let's see what happens with him. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come back, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then this is what it says. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look. And you could tell he's really, really angry here. He said, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, and he says this son of yours because he's trying to distance himself, he's really angry with his younger brother. When this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Now, this is one of the most critical parts of the parable. If you understand this part, you understand the entire parable. The father is excited that his son is now home. And instead of the older brother being excited with the father, he refuses to celebrate with him. 
Now, why is that? Why is he so angry? Now, in order to answer that question, we have to go back to these two characters. When the younger son took his inheritance and left, the remaining inheritance, two thirds of it, belonged to the older brother. Which means everything that the father just lavished on this younger son actually belonged to the older brother. That means the ring, the sandals, the fattened calf, all belonged to the older brother. The father is celebrating the return of the younger brother at the expense of the older one. And we also discovered that in his rant, we discovered that the older brother was being obedient to the father because he wanted the father's things. So we discovered something really interesting here. The younger brother wanted the father's things, but not the father. The older brother wanted the father's things, but not the father. The difference is the younger brother did that through disobedience and rebellion. The older brother did that through obedience. He says, I've been slaving for you. I never once disobeyed you. You see, Jesus has been hanging out with Gentiles. He's been hanging out with sinners. He's been hanging out with prostitutes and with tax collectors. And the religious rulers are saying, why are you spending time with them? Why are you associating yourself with these people who've made bad decisions their entire life? And when Jesus tells this parable, it's his way of saying, you, you Pharisees, you, you religious rulers, you're no different from them. You're good at following rules, but what you really want is exactly what everybody else wants, which is riches. You want blessings. You want God to have his favor upon you. But you don't really want the Father. You don't really want God. Now, in the last paragraph of this parable, Jesus does something really interesting. He says this, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brothers of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now, I know what you're probably thinking at this point. You're thinking, wait, wait a minute, what happens at the end of the story? Does the older brother come in and celebrate? Does the older brother go back into the field and ignore his father? What does he do? Now, what Jesus is doing here is a very famous Jewish literary style where when you cut the story short, you're basically saying the end of the story has not been written yet because the characters in the story is actually you. Jesus is giving them a choice. He's saying, do you see yourself in this story? And if you do, what is the next thing you're going to do? How are you going to end this story? Are you going to come in and join with me in celebrating the sinners and tax collectors because they're now found? Or are you gonna go back out into the field and keep criticizing me? Now, throughout this entire parable, there's something that we might have overlooked, so that I, would, I wanna address that right now. If you notice, in Luke chapter 15, this is the third parable. The first one was the lost sheep, then it was the lost coin, and then it's the lost son. So in the first parable, we have the sheep getting lost and the shepherd looking for him. In the second parable, we have a lost coin and the woman is looking for that coin. So the question is, in the third parable, when the son took off, why didn't anybody go chasing after him? You see, in the cultural context that I was talking about earlier, the reason why the older son gets twice as much inheritance as the younger one is because the older one has a job, has a responsibility of keeping the family together if the father were to be gone one day. 
So in this story, when the son took off, it was actually the older brother's responsibility to go and look for the son. But he didn't. Now why is that? It's because the older brother, all he cares about is his inheritance. The younger brother already took away his inheritance, so everything that was remaining was his. You see, if the older son chased after his younger brother and found him and brought him home, every meal that the younger brother would eat, every piece of clothing that he would have to get for his brother is coming out of his inheritance. So what Jesus is saying is the only thing the older brother cared about was himself, about his standing with the father, whether if he's going to get the blessings that he wanted from his father. The older brother deemed that his blessings and the things he's going to get from his father was way more important than the life of his own brother. Now, Jesus calls that self-righteousness. The brother thinks that as long as I'm doing the right things, I'm better than everybody else, and therefore, I'm going to get the things that God is going to give me. And the people who've squandered away their goods, those tax collectors and those sinners, they're not getting anything more from God. Now, if you pay attention to the parable, you'll discover that the father figure, God, he wanted both sides to be at the, at the banquet, at this party. He wanted to celebrate with both of them. But the problem is, the older son didn't come into the party. Not because the father didn't want him there, it's because he disqualified himself because he was too proud of himself to go. So when we look at the three parables, what we discover is this, that it is extremely hard for people who are self-righteous to enter into the kingdom of God. It is extremely hard for them to look at the people who are broken and have compassion for them. It is impossible for self-righteous people to share the same heart that God has. So what's the application here? Maybe what it is is that when you see somebody that's lost, instead of judging them and criticizing them, is maybe to ask God, how do you see that person? How can I join in on what you want me to do with that person? So brothers and sisters, May we have a heart of compassion. May we have a heart of humility when it comes to dealing with the people we disagree with. And may God continue to shape our hearts so that our hearts resembles the heart that God has for the people who are lost. And through that, may we all experience heaven together. God bless.